0: Family Church, family.
1: I will expound a little on just on what I feel in my spirit, what God is doing in the world right now. And of course, we see right now that revival is here. Revival is here. I mean, for some of you who've been praying for revival for a while, you ought to be excited. You ought to be excited. Revival is here. I love how revival sprung out of just a very simple teaching on how much we need him. That's what happened in, in Asbury. It, revival sprang out because there was a revelation that was received. Not just given, but received. It's like a revelation is like an invitation. It's given, but you don't have to receive it. You can have all kinds of excuses if you want to. Um. But as the revelation is given, and therefore that invitation is given, therefore there is to be a received invitation and once you receive that invitation, it should change the rest of your schedule, the rest of your life. It should change things right All right we're coming I can't believe it, but we're, we're coming up on graduation season before you know it that's hard to believe it's hard for me to say that because um, I've got a 16-year-old, and we're going to be celebrating graduation season in just a few years, it feels like. and it's, But it, it, it's. I know when you get that invitation, you have a choice, don't you? And a lot of us are like, well, we're too busy. We're going to skip out on that one. <laughs> but that also depends on how closely related you are to it. And when you're closely related enough, you'll arrange your schedule to meet it. And today, oh, I do want to go deeper on um, just what God is doing, what God did in our service last week, and me taking that before the Lord and just saying, all right, God, what do you, know, what, what you do and what's going on in, in the spiritual world? Because there's a whole lot going on in the spirit world right now. Oh, it would blow your mind if you could just get a glimpse of what's going on in the spirit world. It would absolutely blow your mind if you could get a half a second glimpse. There's so much going on in that. And last week, we, uh, we'd seen some grave clothes come off. We really did. I heard two or three people contact me throughout the, the rest of the week and just say, God, God did something in my life. God healed me, or God did something that I've been struggling with, and God broke those chains off of that. A 23-year-old young lady we were praying for had a brain tumor. She came through surgery better than the doctors expected. Uh, For those of you that were at Courts of Faith, you prayed for her. and uh, She came through so well that she was telling her mom all of the stuff that her mom was supposed to remember that the doctor said before the surgery. God is doing some, and and God, just get ready for that, for God to continue to do things that will be absolutely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, no way for anybody else to take credit, but God doing it. God's going to make that known. Um, he's going to make Himself obvious in those ways. Now, I'd love to be able to tell you that that means every single soul out there is going to then turn and repent and come and follow Him. But now, now, will there be a reviving out of that? Absolutely. Will there be a revival out of that? Absolutely. Will there be a, a stirring up? Absolutely. Will that be an ushering in of a, of a great, great thing that God is doing? Absolutely. But unfortunately, if Jesus Himself in bodily form couldn't get everybody on board the unfortunate thing is this is there will be some that will miss it so today i want to make sure we're not one of the some it's my burden to bear and i've i've carried it all week long i've carried it ever since last sunday night i've carried this this burden all week long and and i pray god you you just make room for this if this is what you want given today um it is my burden to bear that we not be one of the sum. That we not be so devoted to our debt that we can't see the one who is willing to set us free. Matthew chapter 22 is where we're going to be. And let me can set it up for just one more minute. Maybe you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. Matthew chapter 22. Um, so, as I was... Praying and asking God, well, first of all, it was just a big thank you to the Lord for what you're doing. Not just here, but, man, everywhere. It's so amazing. We've been praying, I've been praying with a group of, of spiritual leaders for probably two years. And we've been praying this exact thing. And our prayer has been this. God, you do, you set us up to see you do something only you could do you hear what I'm saying? And that's why it feels like the church has been in a pinch and in a bind for the last couple of years. Just in general, in broad. And it's because God has allowed us to get to the point where we see all we have is just a few loaves and a few fish. And a hunger to stay with Him until He moves. Amen. You're looking at a lad generation. Right now, that you, that's what's going on in this world right now. It's a lad generation. What do you mean by a lad generation? I mean, I mean there, there, there's a group of hungry people. There's a group of hungry people. And there's one that says, I don't have much. But if you, Lord, want to feed a multitude with it, then, Lord, take what I have. Here. Here it is. And that's, if you remember that miracle, of uh, the fish and chips miracle, right? Long John Silver's miracle. <laughs> if you remember that it all started with a group of people so hungry to, and desperate to stay with them that they stayed all day long and didn't eat a thing we get a little grouchy if preacher goes to 1215 right hurry up I'm getting hungry um, all day long they sat in a, in a desert saying we want you we hunger for you more than we hunger for anything else and Jesus moved with compassion on them at a time in which He had actually set up for Himself to get away from everybody. Isn't it amazing how He sees and puts your, a compassion for you even over some of His desires at that time, right? And He looks to His disciples and He said, we got to feed these people. And the disciples looked and said, you forget, we broke. I expected a couple of broke people to say amen. <laughs> you forget, Jesus, we broke. And even if we did have the money, there's Walmart is too far away. By the time I got there and came back and we cooked it up and made it ready, it'd be too late. And Jesus says, You don't understand. I can't send them out, back out into the world on an empty stomach. They've hung with me. It's a prophetic word for some of you who's who's been hanging on, even though you've been hungry. Even though you feel like you've been starving and not having what you feel like you needed in the flesh, God is here to tell you, He sees. In fact, somebody who you've been sacrificing, and no one else really knew it, God wanted me to tell you today, I see. I see it. I've seen every little sacrifice. I see it, and it's not going to go to waste. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to feed you. Somebody's been sacrificing, other people have no idea the cost. I know you look good sitting here in church, but if someone sitting around you could really see the cost and the price you've paid for the last 20 years, you'd look different than what you really look like. God says, I see. I see your sacrifice. I know it. And I'm going to feed you. You've given to me, now get ready. I'm going to give to you. And there was a lad that said, hey, here, it's all I got. And there's a lad generation that says, it's all that I have. It don't seem like much, but here it is, Lord. And God's going to take it, and He's going to bless it, and He's going to break it, and He's going to multiply it, and He's going to keep handing it out. And a few of us get to be servants that get to help Him hand that out. Amen? How many of you want to be those servants that are just keep giving me baskets, Lord? I'll keep dumping it out. My wonder is, I wonder how many servants ate a little bit on the way. Come on. How many of you when, when you do when you do slide through the fast food joint and you 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 know, you know the fries are best on the way home. You right? How many of you have ever ordered an extra large fry and didn't tell anybody so that you could eat that fry on the way home? Yeah, I see you. But I think when the law of God says don't muzzle the ox, I think that's part of the getting to be His servants. I guess it's just my heart, though, is to not to let any excuses get in the way of that. All right? And that's what we're going to pick up here. Where I believe God said, grave clothes are coming off. And here's what I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me this week. I am passing out wedding garments right now. I am passing out the wedding garments. And that's exciting and it's humbling all at the same time. And we're going to see why. And I want us to come together today under what Jesus is doing and let Him do it. Just let Him do it. Will you do that with me? Will you just let Him do it today? Matthew chapter 22, this is why it brought to my memory and I began researching and praying and reading over this passage of Scripture for most of this week and Matthew chapter 22, we're just going to read the first 14 verses, God willing we'll get through at least most of what He's wanting me to say, there's, I feel like there's so much, um, I feel like there's so much to be done and to be said, but we're just going to let God have His way. Matthew 22, starting at verse 1, if you got it, say, I got it. Good, there you go, we got it up on the screen, thank you. And Jesus answered. Don't you love it? God's getting ready to answer. There's not a coincidence coincidence that there's been an atheistic, fad-like movement going on right now because there's been tons of questions that could not be answered by man. And God said, don't be afraid of that. It's a setup for Him to come and answer. You just got to be part of that answer. You got to be willing to give that answer out, right? Jesus answered everybody say Jesus answered. That was weak. Everybody say, Jesus answered. answered. Now see what y'all have? Do you see what you have in you? It was better then, wasn't it? You got turn your other neighbor and say, You got more in you. Don't let that devil lie to you. Devil is a liar. You got more in you than you realize. Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. They were not willing to come. And again, he sent out other servants then saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come, come. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their own ways. One to his own farm, another to his business. I underlined that and beside it put busyness. <laughs> and the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. That was a setup. Some of y'all said you want to be servants. Yeah. No, it's, it's a setup to realize that God has a plan and you're just to be, you get to be a part of it. By grace you get to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. Let the world do and say what it wants. You get to be a part of a bigger plan and only what you do for God is the only thing that really matters. It really. And I not trust me. I know. I, we we got we have an electric bill at home too and I've always worked more than more than one job ever since I can remember. I've always had more and one job pastor and was always just, just part of it. Always been busy doing other things. I get it. I get it. But we got to make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing. And every day you get up, you realize why you do what you do. Because only what you do for God is the only thing that's going to matter. It's the only thing that's going to matter. Right? the rest seized the servants, back to verse 6, and treated them spitefully and killed them, verse 7. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. That's right, my daddy getting mad. And he sent out his armies and destroyed those who thought they had it all figured out. And burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding... "...is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, now go into the highways as many as you can find. Invite them to the wedding." So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when, they came in, when the king came in to see the guests, he saw that there was a man there. He didn't have on his wedding garment. And so he said to him, "'Friend.'" How'd you get in here without the wedding garment? The man was speechless. And the king said to the servants, Bind him, hand and foot, and take him away and cast him into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I'm going to end on a verse that's kind of hard for us to chew on. But I'm going to help us chew on it today. For for many are called, but few are chosen. Father, we need you. We need you. In an hour, in a time, in a day, in a season like this in which you are moving, you're moving because we need you. You're moving because this is your appointed time. This is the time in which you have preordained to begin moving upon the hungry tongues and mouths and hearts and minds of upon young lads who are just willing to give you whatever it is they have. You're moving. Father, I pray today we not let any excuses get in the way of being a part of that. I pray today, Lord God, we be about your business. Spirit of the living God, speak for your servants will listen. And the Spirit and the Bride say, come. If you love him, say amen. amen. Jesus answered. I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as I possibly can. Jesus answered. Jesus answered and spoke and began talking more into a parable. And Jesus, we know, how many times do you remember reading about Jesus doing that over and over? Jesus did this here um, with the fourth, really, kind of parable. It's three parables and then... He began this with this answer. The answer that he's answering to the question is a question given by the chief priests. The chief priests, the Sanhedrin, those who thought they were in control of their world were giving Jesus the, the, these questions to see if he could answer them and how he answered them would depend on if they would believe in him and not. Be very careful with that. Be very careful with trying to put God in a box. God's not interested in fitting in your box. God is absolutely not interested in fitting in your box. That deserved an outstanding ovation and a jump up and down in praise. God is not interested in fitting into your box. There you go. He really isn't. Uh, uh, now, don't get me wrong. I understand he's given us a word and we know, we know that he, he operates by the way he has given us in his word and but I also know that a lot of times we take man's interpretation and we begin to box him up in a way we've got to be very careful of that. Even in my own self. Now, I'm not saying this denominationally or, or religiously. I'm saying even in my own life. I think I know how God can move based on how I've seen Him move in the past. And I see God through at best. At best, I see God through a cloudy peephole. And maybe, just maybe, God is wanting to do more. And as they begin to try to control Him, which was really the biggest issue of their day, really the biggest issue was the fact that they could not control Him. Right? They couldn't control what Jesus was doing, so it was blowing their mind. They couldn't control how Jesus... And some of us have to be careful, because some of us only trust God as much as we think we can control Him. So really, you worship your control more so than... Because control to us is safety. Right? Is this too corrective? Are y'all okay? Control for us is safety. It really is, right? And, and I'm the same way. You know, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of roller coasters. I'm not afraid of being shot out of a bazooka or a slingshot or bungee jump. I'm not afraid of any of that as long as I can hold on to something. Right. That, that's that's where that's that's how. Because I sometimes think I have I I got enough. Yeah. Right. Like I could hold this 500 pound body up if I'm falling by one hand. No, thank you. Right. I I get that. But but I'm not afraid of that as long as I can grab a hold of something. Right. Y'all ever been to a really 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 high place on like a tower or like Grand Canyon where you step out over the the edge? You ever been there? And. Like, and I, I loved leaning out over and looking. That was great, but it was like this. It was like I grabbed the bar first. And then I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? That, that's really cool, but I'm really putting all of my trust in my, yeah. And at best, my grip is frail. At best, it's, it's fragile. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful saying, God, I'll trust you as far as I can control you. Because it really is the other way around. And this is what their issue was. And as the, Jesus just, did, just came through the triumphal entry moment. He had just ridden in and there was just praises. And isn't it amazing how some people will praise and some people will question And as he was riding in on the praise and on the donkey and on the palm leaves and on the coats being thrown down, and while some were praising, some were scoffing, what was crazy is those that should have been praising were the ones scoffing. Those that were scoffing should have been praising. And and, and so it was all kind of upside down. And those that should have got it, they spent their entire life studying this law. And they should have been the ones to recognize Him first and they could not see Him. And they said, shut these people up. Jesus said, I'll overturn your money changing tables. Right? And then with all of that happening, this is where it comes in where they say, what gives you the right? Where do you get your authority? Where do you get your authority to do these things? And Jesus answered, The beginning of the answers, we're reading the end of these answers. The beginning of these answers, he begins to answer, actually Matthew 21, and he says, where did John get his authority to baptize? So see, he begins answering by saying, I'm giving out an invitation. Just as John the Baptist did, right? John the Baptist is standing in the water and he's saying, repent. Do you know why God moved so powerfully last week? Because there was a heart of repentance here. There was a heart that said, God, I need a change. I need you to change. I need you to help. I need you to do something that I can't do. There was no repentance found in the chief priest's heart at all. And because of that, they missed him. They missed him. He said, what authority did John baptize with? This got them confused, right? You all remember the story where they said, huddle up, and they all were like huddled up, and they were like, how do we answer this? I don't know how to answer this. How do you think we ought to answer this? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know, because if we say his authority was from heaven, then he's, gonna, he's got us trapped, right? But if we say that he didn't have authority to do it, then we're like, we might get mobbed because everybody loves John. Everybody loves a crazy person, right? Watch TV for a minute, right? Some of the most popular people on television. They're nuts. They're crazy. They couldn't even make it in the real world. They're nuts. Everybody loves crazy people. right? So they don't know what to do. Jesus is... If you read back in Matthew 21, 32, Jesus said, listen, John came to you by way of righteousness. That righteousness came to you so that you could enter the kingdom of God. Here's an invitation. John came to you to invite you to the kingdom of God. That's why he said, Come, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Let's do this thing. The invitation is here. Many got it, but many didn't. This is an invitation. He came by an ordained invitation of God to do the righteousness of God. That's why when Jesus stepped up to be baptized by John, John said, Oop, nope, I can't do this. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, 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 we have to do it this way because this is the righteousness of God so that we can make a way for the unrighteousness to have the righteousness of God. That gives us all hope. That's why it was the unrighteous people coming to God faster than those who were self-righteous. Right? So Jesus began by answering. That was His first. And I love how He answers with the question. So He begins answering by that question. And then the next one is that He gave us a, another parable. He said there was a, what we call the parable of two sons. I'm not going to go deep into that one or the next one because we're running out of time. But... So he goes deep into, or he talks about the parable of the two sons, and the parable of the two sons was about self-righteousness too. Because he said a, a guy had two sons, and one, he, both sons were asked to do something for the father, right? And one said, okay, dad, I'll do it. And he never got around to it ever. Any moms or dads know the feeling? And one son said, no, dad, I'm not going to do that. But he ended up coming around and doing it. And then he asked them, who was the better son? And they said, the one who ended up coming around and doing it. And he's setting them up to say, your self-righteousness will keep you from receiving this invitation. Your self-righteousness will keep you from getting to be a part of this. What this are you talking about? Goes on into the parable of the wicked vine dressers, right? By saying that he again had some had a vine, had a vineyard and he hired some people to take care of it and they mistreated the workers and they they took what was his and when he showed up it was all a mess and they justified it right. There's some self righteousness going there too. And then he steps up with this last parable that I read to you today and it was. In, in, um, let me back up just a minute. In the parable of the vine dressers, he gives a really weird answer. A really weird answer that says you have to be careful because he who, the stone, he who falls on the stone will be broken into pieces. But he who the stone falls on will be crushed into powder. What does that have to do with Anything? Sometimes Jesus makes me go what are you saying? Peter got it though. Peter got it. I want you to turn with me real quick to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to start reading at verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious... You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put ashamed. But therefore... To you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He's quoting Jesus, which Jesus was quoting both Psalm and in the book of Isaiah in that vine dresser parable. And it says, He becomes a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also are appointed. But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now you are the people of God who, have, who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. This gives us a key to what we stopped with, with that crazy, many are called, fewer chosen thing. Jesus is addressing in John's baptismal authority. He's addressing in the parable of the two sons. He's addressing in the parable of the vine dresser. And He's addressing in the wedding feast with with garments or no garments. He's addressing self-righteousness in all of those cases. And He is saying, I am the chief cornerstone. I'm the one that Isaiah prophesied about. I'm the one in Psalm 118 was prophesied about. About being the chief cornerstone That is the, that the church will be built on. That the kingdom of God will be built on. Okay, I am He. And He says in those parables, He says, be careful. For if you fall on Me as the chief cornerstone, you get broke up into pieces. You remember the thief on the cross? What did he say? The non-repentant and the repentant, right? There's one that did not repent, one that repented, and one that repented. How did he repent? He said, put my pieces back together. I fall on you. Whatever righteousness I have, I fall on you. Put me back together. Remember me. But Jesus said, woe to those who the whole stone falls on because they will be ground into powder, which means this, you know, putting them back together. We have to be very careful with self-righteousness because if you remain in your self-righteousness, well, you get the picture. Right? You all good? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm still all right. So then we get into the wedding feast, which I, I did just like you. When I heard him say, I'm passing out wedding garments, man, I, I I hit my knees. I I bawled before the Lord, and I was praising him in my little prayer, prayer room and giving him glory for that, but then it was like a sinking feeling that I realized, Lord, this is real stuff. This is real. This is real because... Did you read, and I don't have time to go into the eschatology of it or even the theological origins of it, of explaining everything, but you just got to know this. When Jesus gives this parable, He says that a king has an appointed time for his son to get his bride. Right? King. Everybody knows who the king is, right? Right? Who's the king's son? My beloved son to whom I'm well pleased because he's doing the righteous thing, right? And he says, it's time. Go get them. It's time for the wedding. Now to know what that really means is this. this is, which is where we are as the church in the church age. The dispensation of the church age and grace right now. This is where we are. He said, when Jesus left, John 14 and 3, when Jesus left, or right before He left, He said, I go to do what? I go to prepare a place for you. So in the Jewish culture, when I was betrothed with Stephanie, it was written in the stars, baby. When there was a betrothal, it happened in such a way where I knew... I as a young man would know whatever age that was, whether it's 15, 16, 18, 21, whatever that age was, I knew that there would be a wedding coming. And so it was my job as the future groom to go and prepare the house, which happened to be my in-law's rent house. It was my job as a groom to go and prepare the house, the place that we were going to raise a family in. It was my job to go. And so however long that took, there was a waiting period. But when the betrothal happened and when we knew it was, it was destined, by Jewish law, they were already married. By Jewish law, we were already together. That was why it was such a big deal for Joseph to put Mary away privately. Privately. Right? Because by Jewish law, they're, they're married. They're already there. He was just going and preparing a place so that the place could be ready for a consummation. Right? So the first invitation to a wedding would go out after that betrothal would take place. After we knew this was going to happen, we didn't know exactly how long because it depends on how much I have to flip this house. Right? It depends on how long it was going to take me to prepare for this. So since we didn't know exactly how long that would be, we would give out a first invitation. Say, "Hey everybody, get ready!" That at some point in time in the near future, you're going to get another invitation for a for a wedding. And weddings were huge for them. They, they all week long. Who? I was tired after just one day, right? All week long, they would throw a party. All week, it was a big deal, huge. Which is why we're going to get to enjoy a party. Called the marriage supper of the lamb. One day. That's right. That's right. Eat all you want. Calories won't count. That's right. Y'all laugh but I can eat. I can tear down. Right? Some of those buffets. They lose money on me. So there's now a waiting period. From one invitation to the second Invitation. And this is where we are. We know there's been an invitation. The wedding is coming. And Jesus said, I went to prepare a place, right? And whenever God says the place is ready, He's going to look at His Son He's going to say, go get my bride. And He's looking for a spotless bride. A bride that's not so worried about what they look like as much as it is what He looks like. A bride that says, I am like Esther, where I want to be more about what the king wants to see than what I want to give. Right? I want to bring what's desired, not what is only required. And so you have a bride that is ready, which we have another parable in the book of Luke that says there were, there were five foolish virgins and five wise ones. Right? The foolish ones said, ah, it's not that big a deal. It could be forever. We'll, we we got enough. We can do it our own self. And they ran out of oil, right? But the, one who's, the ones whose eyes were always looking for His coming. See, um, how many of you have heard some talk lately about Jesus' Jesus's return being close? It's all right. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of that at all. I heard that a lot when I was growing up. I really did. Especially on watch night service. After you went and ate your chicken salad sandwiches on New Year's Eve at night. Right, then you'd come back up and you'd pray the New Year in. Because we'd have to make sure we're right for the New Year. Because we're watch night. We're watching for Jesus to come back. So when I was a kid, I thought if Jesus was going to come back, it was going to be the stroke of midnight on New Year's in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Right, and maybe that was just my simple way of interpreting. They probably did a whole lot better job than my little peanut head comprehended it. But what we have to be very careful of is not getting to the point where we think, "Oh, I've heard it, I've heard it, I've heard of her." I don't have to worry about being prepared. I don't have to worry about being ready. I don't. I don't. I even had a talk with someone about that today. It was a teacher at one of the local high schools. She said. So what do you think about it? I said, I know this. I'm one breath closer now than what I was. I said, I may not make it. God may have a different plan for me. I may not make it. But if in that plan I don't make you know that it could be any time, then I've missed missed what I'm supposed to be about. She said, well, I've heard it my whole life. I heard it growing up. And now I'm just to the point where I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I said, that's where we have to be careful. It's where we have to be careful. When we become indifferent to it, we burn up all of our oil. We have to be very careful. We have to be watchful. 2,000 years ago, He said, be watchful. Well, if God said 2,000 years ago to be watchful, until He changes His mind, I'm going to be watchful. Right? I don't think He's going to change His mind. Be watchful. Jesus is... Telling them, hey, let me give you a heads up. You're the ones that's going to miss out on this because I'm telling you, servants came to tell you first invitation. The prophets prophesied about me coming, and you missed that first invitation. You missed it. Why did you miss it? Because of yourself. And he said, God's going to send more servants. He said, and again, he took other servants, which those are the disciples. Those are the disciples. He says, that they're going to go out, they're going to build my kingdom, they're going to start building my church, they're going to baptize, make more disciples. That's us, right? He said, they're going to do that. That invitation is going out to a whole lot, but only few will, by grace, choose to be a part Of this invitation. Let me get down to the nitty gritty. Wedding is here. You guys know some people miss it. Some people come. Those that miss it. Why'd they miss it? I got a farm. I got a business. Go back another passage of scripture. Another. uh, uh, Well it was a banquet. Another parable. Somebody missed it because he said, I bought some land. i got to go check the land out, and I can't come to your banquet. Right? Someone said, I bought a team of oxen. I, bought, I, just, bought a, I just bought a used car, and I'm not driving it yet. So Carvana, as soon as they drop it off, I'm going to drive it around a little bit and see if I want to return it, so I can't come to your banquet. Right? And The last one, which is like crazy to me. One says, hey, I just got married, so I can't come. I don't know if he was saying, I haven't got permission yet. <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if he was saying that I, I, she don't want to come, so I can't come. I really don't know. But he said, hey, I just got married, and so I, I can't come. Did, it ever, did the thought ever cross his mind that he could invite the wife? I don't know. We don't know any of that. All we know is this. is some good Excuses. Really good excuses, right? Really good excuses. Busyness, and farming, and family. Man, I loved having little kids. I did. Why? Because I could use them as an excuse a lot. Right? Oh, I can't come to your party because it's his nap time. Right? Y'all looking at me like y'all never used your kids as an excuse. I'm going to have to close on that note. And Jesus said something that's really hard if you take it out of context, but really understandable if you take it in context. And that is where he said, you got to understand anyone who loves even your family more than you love me is not worthy of me. He's not saying your family is not important. He's not saying that you don't need to love your family. What he's saying is is, until you love me, you can't love your family better. I work, I work super hard not to sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. It is hard, 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 hard. It is hard. And sometimes I do get out of balance. I do. And, and my beautiful family have, have, have graciously said, they understand. It's hard. I get that. But Jesus says something that if we take it out of context, if we take it out of of understanding, he has to be first in our life. That where our treasure is, our heart follows that. Not the treasure follows our heart. That is not how it works. Our heart will follow after what we treasure. Jesus said. The only ones worthy of this are those who allow themselves not to be covered in a garment of excuses. Because that's what an excuse is. I'm covered. Right? I'm covered. I got my I'm excused. I got a doctor's note. Got my absence excused. I can get out of and get out of it. Right? That's why we work so hard at coming up with excuses when we don't want to do something that we don't want to do. What I'm going to wrap up with is a question. What have you covered yourself with? What's the the one thing keeping you from getting closer to God right now? What's the one thing that you've allowed to cover you that's not God or not of God? What's the one thing that you've said, oh, I would love God a little more if, what is it? What's the one thing that you've said, I'll I'll serve God better when? What's the one thing that you allow yourself to be covered? The big deal with the gentleman not having the wedding garment, it was big, he didn't have it. We get that. We know that, The king gave this garment out to everyone who came. A wedding garment in that day was really only given out by those of the upper echelon. That didn't happen in the the, the poor communities. But in the big communities, when when a king had a wedding for his son, he would make sure he had enough wedding garments, which was why why the RSVP was so important. He'd make sure he had enough wedding garments set aside to cover everybody that walked in so that we could all be in unity. Right? It was to mimic the grave clothes. They didn't look a whole lot different. They were not ornate. They were not ordained. They were just simple white tunics for the most part. Like a grave cloth was just simple white covering. He would hand that out to everyone coming in, which means someone got in, got a garment, and did what with it? The easy application is that he thought he could earn his way there. He was good enough in his own self-righteousness. But the question is this. What kept him from saying, I'm sorry, you're right, extra large, right? Where, Where do I go to get one? What kept him? What has to die? What then becomes a grave cloth, grave cloth, so that a wedding garment can be put on? Oh, I'd serve God more, but I just have this one thing that, and whatever that thing is, is could be wrapped up in a big old fancy word called busyness. Busyness. And here's what God said: If you want, I'm passing out wedding garments. But before you put on that wedding garment, that's got to go. Can y'all stand? Are y'all okay? I'm ten minutes over. Y'all good? Next week I'll get you out ten minutes early. I have a burden. I have a burden that's messed me up all week long. It really is. So when I get messed up, y'all get messed up. Because you know what? I got a lot of that too. I got a lot of things that I'd say can get in the way. God does not want you getting that close. You understand how close He was? He was that close to seeing the wedding happen. He was that close to getting to celebrate. He was was a garment away from getting to celebrate for all eternity. Father, I pray in this this room right now, today, that if anyone has on a garment that they think they're covering themselves with self-justification or self-righteousness, I pray that they not leave this room today until they be willing to lay that garment down and to take upon Your righteousness. Father, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that have not given fully everything to You, then I pray that this moment would become a moment for them that would change all of eternity for their life, for their future. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that is more occupied with self than they are with You, And I pray today we lay it down. You address self-righteousness. You address that we can't control you. We address that this is on your appointed time for your appointed reasons. You address that we get to be a tiny part of it by your grace. By faith in Your grace are we saved? Lest we should boast that it's not about our works of self-righteousness. It's not about what we thought would keep us excused. It's about being covered by You. Lord if there's anyone in this room today that needs to lay it down I threw mine down if there's anyone else that needs to throw theirs down Lord let it now be the time if that's you do do it do it do it do it do it Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. Do it right now. I guess what I'm saying is, is you've been given the invitation. Now it's up to you to rearrange your life to fit the invitation. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it. Don't you miss this moment. Don't you miss this moment. Do it, Lord. Do it. Anybody else? Do it, Jesus. comes a moment when you strip off the grave clothes before you receive the wedding garment. Kind of in the midst of that transition where you are naked before the King. That's why Jesus was crucified naked. To take your place in that moment so that His righteousness would become yours and you could become the righteousness of God. Let him, let him, let him do it. Let him do it. Give it to him, every bit of it. My heart breaks because I don't want a single person to waste this moment. And if you are one of those that are completely, fully sold out to Him, you ought to rejoice. Because you have waiting for you a celebration for the ages. You have waiting for you, and I dare declare it shall not be long. You have waiting for you not just the invitation, but a stepping into a throne room into a feast, into a celebration where by His righteousness you will be made whole for all of ever and ever and ever and ever. You ought to give God praise because you get to be one of the servants that get to help send out the invitation. You're one of the few that have chosen to take that invitation seriously. You ought to celebrate. You ought to be excited. There's nothing in the way between God moving in your life. There's nothing left for the enemy to hold on to. You'll be so used up by God, Satan will have absolutely nothing to hold on to when you die or you move on. You ought to be you ought to be looking up right now. That ought to change the way you act and react from this moment forward. And if, you, if you're still wrestling with self, I pray that you don't ever stop wrestling with that self until you lay it down. And I know this was a corrective word today. and I appreciate you Hanging with me through it. Last week I know was a God-breathing kind of voice of God. Today was was a teaching kind of word of God. It begins with understanding this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So if you don't respect Him and revere Him enough to lay all of yourself down today, You've missed the point. So today, as we lay ourselves down, I pray for a spirit of resurrection to rest upon your church. And I pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you love Him, say amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you. We love you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.